TFS episode number 143. This is Greg Duncan. And this is Martin Woodward, back from my sunny holidays. Hey, how are you doing, Greg? Good, how are you, my friend? Good, 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 good to be back. So thanks for you keeping on shipping over the summer. It's great to see. Yeah, well, we're delayed a week. I kept trying to get a a different guest host on, and it just didn't work out. So I apologize to everybody for being late a week. But to make that up, we're going to come out next week. So we're not, like, pushing everything. We'll just do it uh, two weeks in a row, and you'll get a Radio TFS. (laughs) And next week, it's going to be be good. Uh, Hey, but this week's going to be awesome, too. Well, of course, it's us. But uh, uh, we've got guys from the uh, data migration team coming on. So next week, that would be good. Yeah, that is totally yeah. selfish because uh, our internal project to move to VSTS has been kicked or reinvigorated. So uh, sooner than later, uh, my company is going to be migrating from TFS to VSTS. Cool. Well, um, shout out to friend of the show, um, Rick Hepworth and Richard Fennell. Uh, I was talking to them over the weekend there. They were doing a, a migration for a customer from TFS to VSTS. And so, um, yeah, they were, you know, they'd, they'd run into, here you go, here's a top tip for you. When you're, mm. there's, a, there's a point where you are, you, you are giving uh, database uh, permissions to the user who's going to do your migration thing mm-hmm. run bit of sql um when you do that point make sure you only have one sql database connection open from that user into the database at that point in time don't have it open on multiple windows by multiple you know multiple different computers because uh, it turns out that the permission doesn't get applied properly until if you've got multiple connections open which is super weird but there we go hmm. so, all right you yeah. got that oscar you, you got that because oscar gets to be our guinea pig to move that stuff over. So. Hey, well, if it's just Oscar doing it, then he's not going to run into the problem. I think the problem is when you have lots of, uh, you know, when you have one of these big teams and loads of people have got, like, the the DBA creds or something like that. I don't really know. So, anyway, but, yeah, it seems to go well. So, uh, hopefully it goes well for you. Should we go through Everything. the news, then? Anything else you want to shout out that's been happening over the summer? Actually, I, I do have a, a, a question for you. Though. Yeah. Uh, um, and only sandbagging you this time. We didn't even mention this in the pre-show. The uh, database. I guess I could ask the guys next week. Let me just ask this to the guys next week. But basically, is that, yeah, yeah. I'll ask them as to when the data migrator tool will have a TFS 2017.2 version. Because oh. right now it's RTM and dot one. So interesting. That next week. There you go. Should we jump into the news? Yeah, let's get to the news. Nobody wants to hear us kibitz. <laughs> well, um, everyone's been raving about the um, uh, the new uh, release definition editor. Have you have you taken a look at it? Have you seen the pictures at least? I've seen the pictures, absolutely. Yeah, I got the pleasure of showing this off at Build for the first time, and mm-hmm. then um, again did some. You know, been using it. I've been using it for real last week because I was trying to get the new Radio TFS sites on. As you can tell, if you if you've been visited the site, it's not there yet, but I'm making progress. So I was playing with it there, and then um, doing some stuff as well. Been using it quite heavily. It's awesome. Really love it. Um, as well as that, we've done some improvements to the uh, pull request workflows. And again, that's been getting a lot of Twitter traffic lately. People, um, you know, enjoying the pull requests workflows for doing code reviews within teams and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's great news. But uh, the 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 main th- I mean, the first thing you notice about the release definition is, is, is like the UI is awesome, you know, so yay. But um, and considering it's a website as well, it's just pretty amazing. But then. 
it's a nice graphical editor. You know, there's sort of um, places you can click on for where the events happen and, you know, different artifacts you can add, which are things that trigger releases. Um, and you've got a few different options to choose from. And um, all of the the release stuff, all of the release tasks and things are in there. Um, but, yeah, it's all pretty good. So there's a bunch of... Um, uh, there's a bunch of templates you can pick from, you know, when you're doing a uh, a deployment. So, you know, maybe, you, maybe you're doing, for instance, a Azure App Service deployment, which is exactly what I was doing. And it can it can give you a nice template of the sort of things you want in there. And then you can build that up. And, and then also it's very easy to uh, copy between environments if you want to duplicate an environment and then move them around and all sorts of things. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good way of starting off with a very simple process and then getting it more and more complicated, having more approvers in, all that sort of thing. So that's all, all awesome. And then um, we did some stuff, as say, around the pull request workflows, which is pretty good. Also done some other stuff in the latest releases, uh, things like the... Um, some of the insights, you know, the the widgets around um, analytics and stuff for your sprint are getting improvements all the time. So all good. If people have got uh, feedback and stuff that they want to report around VSGS, then there is a little um, feedback icon that you can click on in the top uh, right hand corner next to your little picture. Click on that and you can provide suggestions, report problems, things like that. Um, and don't forget Stack Overflow as well, of course. What happens to those? What, what do you do? You know the process. If I report a problem, does I... it sends a lot. It basically triggers a you know, big klaxons and alarm bells, and people. No, it, <laughs> do, it seriously does. Uh, people, you know, there's humans that read them. Um, uh-huh. Both the problems and the suggestions. The problems of a high, of a higher priority in terms of triage, and then get looped into the um, uh, the. MSS, so get looped into as work items in the database and stuff. So yeah, uh, people take that stuff very seriously. Um, and then, especially the suggestions. Uh, yeah, especially when it, you know people sort of see the suggestions come in and start theming, and then again that that all that all gets taken very very seriously. So if you've got any feedback around this new release editor, then do you know don't just you know tweet about it is awesome as well, but feel free to provide us feedback in the product. Um, Matteo Emily did uh, even better than that. He did a blog post about the so many things he liked in the new release editor, and sort of just went off on a complete blog post going, "This is amazing!" So we'll we'll stick that in the show notes because it was a, it was a fun post about the things he liked. And then um, Mahatmid Radwan uh, he posted about the um, delivery plans extension. We mentioned in a previous show how it, you know, it was going into GA and it's available now for people to use. There's no additional charge. It's all awesome. And um, Mohammed from the UK uh, just delve into the delivery plans extension and kind of gives quite a nice you know, summary about what it is and how it works and how you can use it. So I actually found that quite useful. So uh, it's a good post to read. Cool. And speaking of improvements, uh, Whitney Jenkins did a short post about some coming changes to the user settings. And this is coming up potentially, hopefully, fourth quarter 2017. And they're basically redoing the – basically, basically, basic. Basically, uh, basic. <laughs> redoing uh, the user interface, giving it that modern touch base and uh, moving a lot of the stuff from around the different places into one user settings area. So, uh, and including the OAuth authorizations, which is, you know, it can be kind of hard to find, or if you're not, you know, sure where it is, the OAuth apps is going to be right there with the rest of your user settings. 
Very, very cool. Hey, um, speaking of updates, update two for TFS uh, 2017, we, we mentioned that already. Um, it's RTM, it's worth saying. Um, so, you know, uh, Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> well, if, I was going, we were going to install that like yesterday, uh-huh. but then it was like, oh, we want to do the migration, but the tool uh-huh. forgot to is an out. So I was like, oh, we'll hold off, but I really want this new uh, build definition editor. I'm doing builds and t- tweaking these uh, every day now, and, and that alone it has me drooling. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's one feature, there's it's quite a big update, actually, and mm-hmm. it catches you up with a bunch of features that are obviously in VSTS the, on the release management and the build definition side, for sure, but also with those new Git features, you know, some of the Git pull request improvements, a lot of the stuff around Git tags and, and Git history, um, the, the branch policies in pull requests. Uh, if you have the Elasticsearch infrastructure set up um, using that for code search, then you can hook that into work items as well now. And you know, there's quite a lot of times where you don't really need to do a big old work item query. You just want to like do some a bit more unstructured searching, and that's that's really helpful and quite performance as well. So yeah, Dev, if you want to, um, we'll find out in the next show about doing um, about you know migrations from TFS. 2017 update two to uh, the STS. You can guarantee it won't be long before that's that's right. up there and fully supported. Um, but um, otherwise, uh, if you you know if you're on TFS and you're staying on TFS for at least a couple of weeks, then uh, definitely consider upgrading to update two because it's all RTM and it's incredibly well tested. But not just you know through the RC stuff, but also through uh, it being actively used on VSTS. Right. Um, yeah, so a bit of a downer. Speaking of testing of things, um, we we had a bit of a outage while I was out on vacation. There, um, I'm still catching up with this one a bit. But uh, if you want to dig in and understand what happened on the 10th of July, we had an issue with authentication. Um, we had a couple of these recently. We had another one about a month. I'm trying to think when that was. It was a couple of months ago. I know. I know it happened fairly. You know it. It. It, it was more. It was recently enough for me to remember because this doesn't. It doesn't happen very much anymore when we have a, a, an issue like this. Um, from what I can tell so far, and again, I'm I'm just catching up because I was out when it happened. Um, it seems to have been a cascade failure that happened because of some um, Active Directory AAD throttling that was happening. The really interesting thing is that should really be constrained to a tenant. So. Um, an organization, you know, like Microsoft or whatever. And interesting, it, it was actually the the Microsoft AAD tenant that originally triggered the, you know, so internal usage of VSTS um, AAD tenant by Microsoft against VSTS is what kind of triggered this. But there was a bizarre cascade failure, which then made it start to affect other tenants as well. If you were uh, because of some throttling that was happening in the back end by Azure, um, there's a breakdown about, you know, a root into the root cause analysis. And, uh, um, you know, we dig in a bit more about um, like kind of you know, Tom digs in a bit more and tells you exactly what we're doing there. That's the same kind of report that goes internally. So is you know, this is the kind of transparency, this, which I which I like. Um, so yeah, it's as easy to, for me to read the website as is for me to read the internal email threads. In fact, it's a lot clearer. So I tend to read the website. So um, we're digging into that some more, making sure that doesn't happen again, especially um, if like if 
if one tenant's doing some stuff and get throttled, that's fair enough. The the real problem is when that throttling like knocks on into other tenants. That's definitely something that we're fixing and making sure never ever you know never happens again. So we'll go figure that out. But yeah, there you go. Sorry about that. We're uh, doing our best to improve things. And I like the just the visualization on that. I mean, do you guys actually have dashboards like this always running, or did did they? do these graphs and charts and stuff just for this post this what these charts were done specific not for this post but for the ls live site instant report so um so we do have analytics like this and we do have some charts but this one was a special chart that they'd done to make it a lot clearer about what what was actually happening so the outside in monitoring one yeah that one's there it's the um the vsts calls into aad i think was a custom chart so uh and then the timeline thing, again, is something that we do in Visio. You know, you bring up one of those timelines to kind of explain exactly what happened, where the mitigations were, and so on and so forth. One of the problems we had with this particular one is that because it was the Microsoft tenant first that started going wrong, and, you know, people were shouting about that, kind of that got our, from what I can tell, that got our attention, and we kind of we kind of missed the wider impact for a little while, and it took us... You know, it, it, it took us like an hour before that was kind of recognized what was happening. So um, and then when throttling happens and you're trying to get, thing, you know, queues cleared out, it takes a while to kind of exhaust these queues and, and get throttles lifted and get the systems fully recovered. So, yeah, apologies that it took. Uh, it ended up being about four hours end to end that people were actually impacted. Um, it was sort of five o'clock pacific time to eight o'clock pacific time i believe or is that in utc i don't know i'll have to check well, i'm not quite sure but uh, apologies um we'll, we're working to make sure it doesn't happen again I, just, that visualization is awesome and that, yeah i can just see that having dealt with issues just this week of stuff going down and you, you can see the, the the blood pressure going up and up and up and up yeah. What's and fascinating I, is the calmness. It's always when you're on the calls, the calmness of people. You know, people are being very professional about it. There's a very um, this is urgent kind of. It's almost like listening into air traffic control kind of conversations. You know what I mean? There's a very much a this is urgent. N n don't mess about. You know, like just the facts. But um, equally, um, it's very. It's always surprisingly professional, even when. Even when Satcher gets on the phone, which happens from time to time, Guthrie's quite often on there, but occasionally Satcher will join the conference call as well, you know, to these life site incidents and listen in. And it's, so it's always a bit like, <laughs> so, yeah. And you guys listening, if you want to keep up with this kind of stuff, there's a blogs.msdn.microsoft.com slash VSO service, and we'll have the links in the show notes for it. And you can just monitor this and you can see when the issues come up when it's mitigated and just keep following this and these postmortems are posted there as well yeah fantastic so you know we've been talking a lot about xamo build is going away it's been depreciated it's going bye-bye everybody needs to start moving off from it i came across this in the uh one of the var uh, distribution lists they mentioned that there's a new guide to help people migrate from xamo builds to the new builds Oh, I mean, cool. and this was just last updated, uh, June 30th. And it's for <laughs> the coolest thing about this is they go through each of your, like, uh, porting your XAML settings mm -hmm. and they bring up, they have a screenshot of the, like, the general tab. 
And then they talk about each one of the settings and what's the TFS 2017 equivalent and the team services equivalent. If, and you know, sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not, but you can actually see that. So it's like, okay, you know, what's, how do I do this in new build? Looking at this and this thing, how do I do it in the new build? And so if you're migrating, this is a must have resource. And for those of you who are in that migration hell, from what I have been seeing, the first my couples are going to take a little bit, but at that point you get good at it and you can start cloning and copying and just changing variables and, and that kind of thing. So uh, there's a little bit of pain at first, but you'll love the new build. Believe me, it'll be worth it in the end, easily worth it in the end. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, so we were doing some work around the um, alternate authentication mechanism. So you know when you want to connect say xcode to vsts and you don't have you can't use you know two-factor authentication to log in mm-hmm. um you need a what's called a personal access token and these are quite common maybe from the git command line or if you're hooking in some kind of tooling into vsts that uses the api and things like that um and you just want what's called a, a pat personal access token then we've we've greatly improved the um, credentials mechanism. Um, it helps you manage not just your personal access tokens, but SSH keys and basic creds. Um, but we're around the personal access tokens in particular is much, much, much more control now. You get to list all the different types of tokens you have. Importantly, you get to very easily see which ones were expiring and when they were last used and by which IP, which is really awesome. So you can track things down, see which ones are being used delete ones very easily that aren't being used anymore you know so you just get rid of them um and then when you go in and you're actually creating these personal access tokens you don't have to say hey this token has all of the permissions that i have as a user you can restrict it right down maybe give maybe only give the token if this is a token you're creating so that you because you're writing some like your um well, your Excel stuff probably uses your credentials through uh, Internet as well. Say if you're writing uh, um, an extension which used those JSON APIs that you were doing for reporting, what we talked about a few weeks ago, and you only, you only they only need read-only access, so just check read-only, and then you know that this script is only ever going to be able to read. So it's pretty cool. Um, they've been doing a lot of work there. There's, a lot, there's some more work to come. Um, another thing you get actually is note, email notifications when your your credentials are expiring, that sort of thing. So yeah, more work to come. Um, if you've got any feedback on where we are, then do that. Um, but it, it, it's improving quite a lot. Oh, one other thing I should mention about it as well. Um, there's improved administrator privileges around here, so you can actually um, you know get rid of people's pat tokens and things like that as an administrator here and uh, revoke pats for compromised users and blah 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 so all good stuff so gordon who is almost made the show you know that, that time zone is difference for him is just such a pain it's a killer <laughs> but uh he wrote this great post we've talked about mentioned in the show a number of times um how you can easily import Git repos into VSTS. Mm. You know, it's just a click on the repo, you import it, and there's some information, and it's going to show up. Yay! <laughs> Gordon I ran into a all the time for demos because I will put my Git repo on GitHub or something so that people uh-huh. in the talk can get it in themselves, and then just you know import it straight in. So anyway, and that works great if you're doing it 
in a demo or you've got one or two or three. Uh, he, Gordon, had like a hundred. Wow. That he was trying to do. And he was trying to consolidate multiple team project collections into a single team project. And he was doing the click, 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 click thing. And that just, as any developer, once you do it that third time, you're thinking, oh, no. This, no, this I is can just, write code for this. <laughs> yeah. I, there's no way in hell I'm doing this clickety-click crap for another 97 times. Yeah. So what Gordon does is he talks about all the different steps, things he walks through, lots of screenshots, and then he starts talking about the code and you know using the VSTS REST API. Yeah. To using the import. old version of the personal access token screen, I notice. <laughs> <laughs> it's really annoying, isn't it? How we keep improving screens. Never mind. <laughs> for I, I, you know, for you like a book writer or pe- previous book writer, yeah. yeah. No, well, we still do our documentation. We're having interesting discussions about it in a minute because it is a big problem. Um, and so do we, you know, but the, the, yeah, one of the ways of fixing it is to include less screenshots, which doesn't feel the right thing to do either because screenshots are so helpful. So, um, you know, we're, we're working on what we can figure out. Anyway, carry on. So uh, Gordon goes through and he talks about all the different details and how he built the thing and some of the uh, the, the steps on it. Uh, short story long, if you've got a whole bunch of Git repos, We'll check out the post, uh, Gordon's post, Gordon's code. We'll have the links in the show notes. But yeah, uh, you know, one or two, it's great. You're importing a lot. This is going to be a must-have. Very cool. Um, just a bit of a, you know, throw this one in there. But um, uh, uh, Mayank Prakash uh, was interviewed over on InfoQ about um, the Department of Work and Pensions here in the UK, the DWP, who I've done some work for in the past, I should say, as a not, not as a consultant back in the day when I had a real job, and they are they are big, like you know they're sort of Red Army big in terms of the number of people that work there. They are the largest government department. They do a lot of different um, uh, parts of the UK government. Um, you know, we're, we're we have a social welfare system over here in socialist Europe, so uh, you know they're quite big, uh, and, and they've done a big movement to get a lot more um, DevOps focused, which is great to see because it's a massive IT infrastructure. Um, there's some really good people working there, um, and some actually some of my buddies still work there, so we should maybe try and get some people on at some point. I don't know, let's try. We'll see. Getting gov- getting people from government departments to talk is always quite fun, I guess, on record. But um, it, it's good to see. And you were saying, Greg, in the pre-show, but you know, this is a this is a good one to highlight because not only does it include you know friends of ours, friends of the show, but it it, it also gives people out in government departments it's something to point to to say, hey, look. Uh, other government departments can move towards DevOps, and here's like the biggest government department in in the UK. One of the biggest government departments in the world is managing to make this transformation. So you know, surely we, our little local government department or whatever, we can do that. So take a look at the article in the show notes. Yeah, that's nice. That, that <laughs> I'm looking at that article: 850 buildings, nine ninety thousand desktops. Yeah. yeah. So interesting facts for you here. Um, the the DWP actually own or owned anyway um, a Class A uh, IPv4 like block. Um, so a 51, I think it was. So they own 51 dot star 
in terms oh. of IP addresses, which is incredibly valuable. I think they've actually started selling it off, but it was incredibly, incredibly valuable. And when I was working there, we were like, oh, my word, have you any idea how much this is worth? And they're oh, no, we can't change it because they were actually using their internet block of IPs internally. Like that was, they didn't use 192.168 or 10. Right. They used 51. And <laughs> I was like, oh man. <laughs> so there was, a, they had to do like a massive, massive, you know, change management exercise and change all those static IPs and stuff. So then they could start selling off blocks of their 51 uh, IPv4 uh, address. But there we go. Anyway, sorry. Blast from the past. Yeah, really. So, Team service extensions, and I've been looking at these too for for use in house. Like All I, right, like I mentioned, doing a lot of builds. We've got a lot of like uh, custom little command line utilities that we're wrapping yeah. into builds, and I keep thinking, man, it would be nice to just wrap this thing in an extension. Um, there's a new extension I started using just this week for reporting services. If you guys are deploying, want to deploy reports from TFS, there's an extension out there for it. Uh, and I was trying to debug why it wasn't working in my environment. And I was thinking, oh, you know, if I can't get them to fix it, or am I going to fork this and write my own version or, you know. But we're going back and forth on GitHub and we're working it out. In any case, you want to start thinking about an extension. Like in my book, I was going to think, okay, where do I start? Mm. How do I do this? I go to the website. What the hell do I do? What is – I just want the framework. You know, yeah. I just want the scaffolding. I, you know, give me the code. And then I can start adding my own stuff to it. Well, Will Smythe has a great post series, and this is the first post of it, The Fastest Path to a New Team Services Extension. And he talks about the uh, the generator for this, the Yeoman generator, that we've mentioned before, but here well, he goes a, into... It's a Rangers project as well. So the, this is this is like a two a two four Greg. This is yeah, it's a Rangers <laughs> project. It's the uh, Yeoman extension, and then Will's blogging about it. Awesome. Yeah. So if you know, he talks about the extension, if you are thinking about doing your own extension, just go to this post. You'll say, "Wow, that is so easy. Why don't I do it right now?" And you'll knock it out, and you'll be done, and you'll be happy. Very cool. We've had some good extensions, haven't we? I mean, you know, there's a rich market. The marketplace is getting richer and richer in terms of people that are adding their extensions into it. Um, but also there's some good Microsoft extensions that have come up recently. Yeah, like that Velocity widget that we mentioned. Uh, Greg Borer yeah. has a post uh, just about that and what this Velocity widget does. Yeah, Short, no, sweet post. Uh, looks pretty. Looks it does. Nice. How it works in the background is really interesting as well. But we'll dig into that. We'll dig into that in a few shows' time, I think. Okay. Um, well, speaking of extensions as well, let's do a quick let's let's bring up a few extensions. So uh, Joe Bourne's been doing some great, um, you know, blogging about the popular extensions and doing a bit of a roundup. Yeah. yeah. So he did um, the July and the June, easy for me to say, the July and the June roundup of some of the cool new extensions. The July one was particularly good, um, introducing Specflow Plus Living Doc into is an extension in there, which was pretty pretty awesome. So if you want to take that out, and if you're interested in doing, you know. Um, like living documentation uh, that's kept up to date and easily understood, then take a look at that. Um, and then another one, which I hear all the time, in fact, I think it came up when we were talking to Chris Patterson, was the ability for a build to trigger another build. Right. Well, here we go. And Benjamin Husa has come in and delivered that extension as a build task. So, yay. <laughs> well done, Benjamin. <laughs> 
And what's particularly awesome is you like take a look at some of the reviews. You know, it's got like uh, the coolest trigger we have, and you are the man. <laughs> and it's just like, yes, I like, I like our community. It's awesome. And then, and then back in June, um, the, he highlighted that you know delivery plans have arrived, and that's awesome and everything. But what if you don't need something? quite like that you know what if you wanted to do some other different kind of ways of looking at your sprint planning and so we showed you the um uh hooking up to product plan which is one way of being able to talk to people and this is a good way of being able to sort of explain what your product strategy is you know and integrate integrate with that uh which is quite nice so again an external service you can hook into um but then an internal thing that you can plug in right into the vsts ui is the sprint drop plan and if you if you want like a, a calendar view as you're helping plan your sprints then that's that's a popular extension for that so two two good extensions there Cool. And speaking of extensions, now we got extensions for Visual Studio itself, 2017. And there's a cool post on Visual Studio Magazine that goes through a number of posts, like um, from Build Debug Test Mole for VS 2017. If you've not seen Mole and you're doing WPF, you got to do it. A Mole Scope. What are some of the other ones? Um, <laughs> handling files and repositories. Simple things like uh, auto merge, last work item, a auto checkout for 2017, um, open file in Windows Explorer. I, I love those kind of open open in things. Uh, copy with the line numbers. You, you want to share a bit of code and you want them to be able to easily go back and find it in the source. You know, copy with line numbers. Nice. Uh, things working in Visual Studio, semantic highlighter, uh, JSON to CS file generator, code documentation. Speaking of documentation, um, there's a number of extensions here on the on uh, doing Visual Studio documentation, right? Docstubs.js. Uh, what are some of the other ones here? Um, you know, JavaScript doc comments, remarker which is one that I highlighted on the Coding for Fun blog that makes your, your comments, you get really make those comments irritating or cool or easy to find. Language support, uh, keeping VS healthy itself. All these extensions are here and listed and, and talked about in this post. Fantastic. That's a, good, a great roundup. Yeah. Um, one other thing, it's not quite an extension into VSTS, but it's um, kind of based an extension. Um, Edmund Dipple did a, a, a very neat hack, a very neat trick using um, the stylish extension to, well, Chromium Chrome, or but it was also a stylish extension for like Firefox and a few other things as well. He just did um, a, a custom user style, so basically some custom CSS, which takes all of the, the VSDS branding, all the menus and things away from your dashboard and just leaves you with the dashboard. And then you can very easily put that into kiosk mode in your browser and have it running um, on, a, on a TV, you know, in your office. And in fact, a Raspberry Pi Model B, you know, Raspberry Pi 3 um, more than happily runs Chrome nowadays. Um, and this runs really well, and it's very, very—it's a very simple thing to do to the distribution to get it to load a web page in kiosk mode on startup, and just do that as part of the script. So you can install this extension onto your Raspberry Pi um, in, you know, Chrome, and then have it open up this extent, this, this your your web page on startup, and boom, you've got a you've got a fancy TV screen in your office that's displaying a dashboard, and if you want to customize it. 
you just go customize the dashboard and then it auto refreshes over on the screen. How amazing is that? <laughs> I've I've been looking for a wall board there for TFS or VSTS. Yeah, and that's this is it. I, yeah. And not only that, Greg, what you can do, most TVs you buy nowadays, if you buy a new flat screen TV to wall mount, often it has a USB um, socket on the TV as well as a HDMI. And so what you do is you plug in the USB, you, you power the Raspberry Pi from the USB on your TV and then plug in the HDMI into it. And you can get like VES amounts of Raspberry Pis, but you can also get, I just, I actually just get um, Velcro and stick it into the back of a TV. It works really well because then you can access the, the Raspberry Pi easier in the SD card. And then it just powers up with your TV. So you go home at night, you press standby, it switches the TV off and switches the Raspberry Pi off. In the morning, you switch the TV back on again and boom, the Raspberry Pi comes back up. Mm. Some people have even uh, in the office in Microsoft, we have like these boxes and they have lot sort of IR detectors. And it's quite easy to build one of these passive IR plugins into a Raspberry Pi. And that would basically do uh, screen blanking uh, when nobody's walking around. But then when it detects movement, it, 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 it wakes up the screen again. So I can feel <laughs> a project cool. coming on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can feel um, an Ignite demo happening. Yeah, because uh, I definitely I, I've always wanted a big wall board yeah. all of our screens all our build stuff um just just up on the screen uh, up high Is so it? people can't miss it that's my problem with like sonar cube we're we're yeah. running all of our major projects in sonar cube but you know the developers have to have the discipline to a sign up for the email notifications and b just to go to the website and check the projects you know, i want this in their face you had that build ugly red failed last quality gate uh and that's up on the screen and you can't miss it then you can't miss it and then if you do it this way you know take get a water and then you've always got the advantage that if is if for some reason you wanted to not have your build dashboard up there but maybe you know there was an election happening and you wanted to follow the latest news or something like that you just you know have a bluetooth because the raspberry pi 3 has bluetooth built into it now and as well as Wi-Fi, so you don't even need an Ethernet connection. It's all just there on the board, and then just connect, have a Bluetooth mouse and a keyboard, or built-in Bluetooth mouse and keyboard as one thing in a drawer somewhere, and you can go and change what URL it's pointing to. Super easy. You don't even have to have to SSH into it or anything. You just use your Bluetooth mouse and keyboard, point it at CNN.com, whatever. See what see what chaos is happening in the White House today. You know, see who's see who's been fired again. Let's not go there. Yeah, let's not go there. Okay. Uh, why don't we have a, why don't we have the yeah. rangers to to take us into like happy land <laughs> so we were talking about building vs extensions yeah and uh what if you want to do feature flags well the alm rangers have been talking about that and they, they talked the first post about using launch darkly to do the feature flag nice but when you're using launch darkly it's a web-based solution there is a key all right. You know, how do you secure that user key? You yeah. don't want it in the code anywhere. You don't want any way for people to, to get it. So uh, how do you handle that? This post from Mikhail Kreef talks exactly about that. Hey. So, uh, you know, they talk about the proposed solution, the details, uh, nice flow charts um, or class diagrams or, yeah, uh, event calls. Oh, I just had cool. a brain fart. Don't you hate when you have a brain fart? Yeah. Well, I'm just looking at the way. There's a couple of different ways to do this. Another way of doing this, 
could potentially i quite like this way to be honest another way the the um, might have been possibly to embed the um embed it as as a parameter in your app.j you know your application configuration and mm -hmm. then um do it as part of the release process like bake them into the json files as part of the other config files as part of the release process but hey it's fine. It's a perfectly good way of doing it. So it's all good to see. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, Martin, my friend, that's a show, man. Definitely. I think we're done. And we'll be back next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. It should be a good one. Did we miss anything? Did we forget anything? Oh, well, how do people get in contact with us if they want to give us feedback, Craig? Well, I'll tell you what. First, though, our our sticker, our, uh, yeah, sticker uh, initiative has been going great. We got a, a bunch of tweets uh, last week and the week before asking for stickers. Everybody, all of them in the UK. So um, Martin yep. is now our Radio TFS UK branch. TFS Europe, I think we are. TFS it, Europe yeah. HQ. Yeah, if there's any European ones, then just add, you know, Greg wrote some through to me, but feel free just to tweet me as well or follow me and then send me a DM if you want to, uh, if you want a sticker posted out to you. No problem at all. I've got, I, yeah. I sent, um, um, sent them not only just the Radio TFS ones, I had some DevOps stickers, so I sent a couple of those as well. Yeah, that's what I've been doing too. So cool. if you want some Radio TFS stickers and some DevOps stickers, uh, send DM us. And you can DM me at uh, gduncan 401 Correct, and, and I am at Martin Woodward. Very easy. So hard. And you can uh, tweet us at Radio TFS. You can send us an email, radiotfs at outlook.com. We're on Facebook slash Radio TFS and voicemail. Yes, voicemail. Send us a voicemail. Be a like guest host on the show. As long as it's safe for work, and we'll play it on the air. And that is 1-425-233-8379. And ladies and gentlemen, I really want to thank you for listening for listening. For listening to Radio TFS.